0: From downtown Los Angeles, this is The City, a podcast focusing on the politics, art, and culture of Los Angeles. I'm your host, Garen Kelsaw, along with writer-producer, Jonas Osnowski. We're two Angelenos with a passion for news, dialogue, and our city. This week, we're spending some time on Skid Row. We'll hear stories and take a walk with LAPD Senior Lead Officer, Dion Joseph.
1: What happened is I went home and cried my eyes out. (laughs) That's what happened because I thought I was a hero that
0: day. Also, we'll sit down with Sylvia Rosenberger, CEO of the Downtown Women's Center, to talk about the organization's work and some of the distinct challenges homeless women face. Uh,
2: Two-thirds of the women that we serve have been victims of trauma.
0: And in the big question we ask, is it time yet? First up, let's head to the Downtown Women's Center. Founded in 1978, the Downtown Women's Center serves 100,000 meals and reaches 4,000 women affected by homelessness and poverty annually. In the fall of last year, Sylvia Rosenberger took the helm of this nationally recognized organization as chief executive. We had the opportunity to sit down with Sylvia to talk about what the Downtown Women's Center does and how we can help the cause.
2: I'm, I'm Sylvia Rosenberger. I'm the CEO of the Downtown Women's Center. And the Downtown Women's Center uh, was founded by a woman named Jill Halverson and in the 1970s she was a social worker here in Skid Row and she was catering to the men in Skid Row when she met a woman named Rose. And uh, Rose was homeless herself and she soon learned all the unique challenges that homeless women face. And she learned there were supports for men and there were places men could go but there was nothing for women at the time. So in 1978, Jill took the money that she had saved as a down payment for her home and she used that to found the Downtown Women's Center. Originally the center was just like a community center, so basically meals and offering some respite and some sense of community for the women in Skid Row. And it wasn't until uh, 1986 that the first supportive housing was established on Los Angeles Street. And at the time, that was the first supportive housing exclusively for women in the country. So uh, that's how the original housing started, but it was in 2010 that the San Pedro Street building that we're in today came online offering an additional 71 units of housing, bringing our total supportive housing to 119 units. So when we opened the San Pedro Street building, we also greatly expanded our services for the women. Uh, We have a large day center here that serves 200 women daily. We have meals, showers, laundry facilities, case management support. And then, uh, of course, the housing comes along with the supportive services. And then in addition, we have a health and wellness program with an on-site medical and mental health clinic, uh, an array of preventative screenings and wellness and enrichment topics for the women uh, and classes as well. And we really work to incorporate that sense of community and develop that social connectedness through all of our programming and then we also have an additional program in the area of workforce development and employment training and uh, we have a learning center here on site and then through our workforce development, we're working with women who've been chronically unemployed or underemployed to give them the skills to get back into the employment. And we we call it supportive employment because we're really working with the women to get them employment ready. And we're also working with the employment partners to make sure that it's a good match post-employment. So we want to know with the women that they're supported, that it's going to be successful, and with the employment partners, we also want to know are what are Are there any challenges and are there any learning gaps that we can train to better in our next cohort. So it's been a really wonderful program and uh, we are looking to bring more employment partners in as well. Uh, We placed 44 women in employment last year and would certainly like to see that program grow and think it has great opportunity. And some of our employment partners have shared with us some of the real advantages to them. They see higher retention, in terms of employees, and uh, there's also some tax credits available as well. Uh, so it's really wonderful way to be involved.
0: That's a lot of wonderful service and work that you guys provide. Uh, what are some of the unique challenges that you think face women who are you know in the condition of homelessness?
2: Women, women's homelessness is unique in a number of ways. Um, first off, you can imagine uh, the health and sanitary conditions that a woman might face uh, being homeless, but I think also there's a greater, much greater risk of victimization, uh, victims of crime and also victim, victimization of sexual assault. Uh, two-thirds of the women that we serve have been victims of trauma uh, with victims of trauma and we also are a trauma center here which really is a designation rather than an additional space it's different from a hospital trauma center which is treating physical we're treating the emotionally traumatized person and there are only six in California and um, it's really an approach to how we work with the women you're assessing for trauma and then the way you you uh, treat has to do with developing coping skills if trauma is still going on, and it's really a paradigm shift because when you see someone acting out or having aggressive tendencies, or even perhaps a substance abuse, sometimes that act action happens as a result of trauma so in order to really start addressing that you have to get at what were the root causes and the root traumas and so we really work with the women in a way that asks the question not what's wrong with you but what happened to you and start building those trusting relationships avoiding trauma triggers so you can really get at that root cause and uh, start to really uh, help women uh, heal
0: that's one of the things that I noticed definitely walking around is that there is a palpable sense of community here and there's a palpable sense of support. Uh, how do you feel in general, being in Skid Row? What are some of the challenges that you face as an organization?
2: Well, from a challenge standpoint, I think you know helping the women certainly address uh, the trauma related issues is a is a big thing. Uh, I think just the lack of housing. Um, We know that permanent supportive housing works. We know it. We also know that it's more cost effective, especially when you're talking about uh, chronically homeless people who may be heavy utilizers of services. They may be uh, in and out of hospitals, emergency rooms, they may be in and out of jails. And there are numerous studies that have looked at what is the cost of a homeless person and then you look at the cost of a housed person in supportive housing and it's a tremendous savings and when they have the supports, people can really start healing. When they're suffering with a disability, whether it's mental illness or a physical disability, they need some added layer of supports and we know supportive housing is the answer and it's the most cost-effective solution. One of the challenges though, of course, is there's not enough of it. We need to see more housing. There's a, a big debate about whether there should be more Uh, supportive housing here in skid row versus outlying areas and other parts of the county and for me I think the bottom line is we need more housing and I think we need it wherever we can build it because it's a crisis and we have too many people living on the street. Uh, and also when you look at the downtown area and all the new housing that's coming online, the uh, level of affordable housing is, is low and it's not getting any larger. And when you look at the pipeline into homelessness and how people become homeless, if they can't afford housing and it's taking up 50% of their median income or higher, uh, it's a slippery slope into homelessness for sure.
0: And what do you think, as a downtown community, we can do to help not only your organization, but the issue in general, but especially your organization?
2: Well, thank you. We, we appreciate that. You know, the Downtown Women's Center, you talked a little bit about the sense of community we create here, and it's really key to our success. 98% of the women who come through our housing program do not return to homelessness. So, again, we know it works. Uh, but we also know that it's that community is such a key integral part to creating trust to building those supports for the women and a very important part of that is our volunteer corps. We have over 5,000 volunteers annually who come in and they help in a myriad of ways. One of our more popular programs is our cooking club and we have teams of company teams, church groups, we have from USC sororities come in uh, and they will host and sponsor a meal and that's really a fun way to get involved. Uh, Then we also have lots of one-on-one opportunities whether it's volunteering in our social enterprise program and helping the women with a line of handmade products as workshop facilitators, or volunteering in our learning center, or volunteering throughout, uh, throughout the center. There's just so many ways to get involved. So I think especially for, for your audience, Garen, because right here in downtown, we're next door to Little Tokyo Lofts, and we have a number of residents that come over all the time and get involved. So I would just encourage people in downtown to get involved locally, it's really a fun and definitely rewarding experience and you're just helping so many people. Another of our really, really interesting programs is our social enterprise. So we have a line of handmade products that the women produce that are sold in our two stores and sold in select retailers and online. Uh, but we also have a vintage resale boutique that's located at 325 South Los Angeles Street. It's between 3rd and 4th Street, and your listeners will love it because it has an amazing selection of vintage items plus our line of handmade items. And then here at 438 South San Pedro Street, we have our cafe and boutique, which also carries our social enterprise uh, products and also is a cafe. And the baristas who are working in our shop are also through our Workforce Development Program as part of our uh, Set to Work program. So it's a fun way for people to support. Uh, People can support certainly financially. They can donate in-kind items. They can come and shop, eat in our cafe. Uh, But we would love more people to come down and, and check us out.
0: Sylvia, thank you so much for your time.
2: You're welcome. It's a pleasure, and we really appreciate your shining the light on the issue and also sharing with the listeners what's unique about women's homelessness and how they can get involved. And if anyone would like more information, we'd encourage them to visit the downtownwomencenter.org, and it lists uh, many, many ways that you can get involved. and we hope to see you here at the center.
0: For more info on the Downtown Women's Center, visit our website. This is the city.net. First Sundays is DTLA's Community Brunch, a gathering of friends, residents, and stakeholders for food, drinks, and conversation, all with a soulful soundtrack in case you want to get up and move. This month, we're hanging out on the patio at Justice Urban Tavern. It's also my birthday, and you're invited. Join the party this Sunday, June 7th from noon to 4pm at 120 South Los Angeles Street in downtown LA. Senior Lead Officer Dion Joseph is widely known in the community he patrols. His many years of experience and hard work on Skid Row have paid dividends for those he has been able to help, but not without some serious costs. On this, our final installment from the Central Division's Community Police Academy, we'll hear some of Dion's stories and take a walk with him on Skid Row.
1: Two things I promise you I'm not trying to do. I am not going to tell you a whole bunch of ugly stories about Skid Row to exploit the homeless condition to score brownie points. Okay? But I am gonna tell you the truth and a lot of it is ugly. A lot of it is ugly, okay? I'm not gonna hide that from you. I know there's somebody in this audience because there always is somebody. When I talk about everybody being on drugs, there's somebody who will say, I know people in Skid Row who's not on drugs. Guess what? I know them too. (laughs) <laughs> so pretend there's a sign on top of my head everybody that says there's all oh, there's an exception to the rule There are always exceptions to the rule, but as long as the rule exists I have to tell you the truth so you guys can be a voice to change it. I Can't change much in this uniform. I'm always gonna be just as in, as just an LAPD officer You guys aren't The other thing I'm not trying to do is make it sound like we walk on water. We're all angels and we're all perfect I've been on this job 19 years. I've done things I wish I could take back. Not because I'm with the LAPD, because I'm Milton Joseph's baby boy. He had a temper, I have a temper. I'm working on it. (laughs) But I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. The stuff you see on TV is not a police trait, it is a human trait.
0: And with that said, the real life experiences revealed themselves.
1: Coaches, and everything was happening in Skid Row. Who did I attempt to sell anything to? And all you people over there, who they telling me who? Who, who, who me. they said is in a no, this investigation? Okay, I need to know who excuse are the, the detectives who are doing I'm the investigation. America, Hida, and who did I attempt to sell anything to? They're not telling me that they don't have that person here. They don't have no. No drugs, no anything. They're telling me that I'm, I'm being arrested for a, a conspiracy to sell cocaine. Who are the people I tried
0: to sell cocaine to? Dion also spoke on the dangerous overlap of the mentally ill and drug dealers of Skid Row. And
1: it worked. And let me tell you how good Safer Cities work. From 2006 to 2010, there was a 40% reduction in overall crime in Skid Row. From murders to theft, 40%. Okay? There was a 32% reduction in death. Okay, we'll talk about that in a second. But the one thing we could never really get a grasp on was mental illness. Today's America answer to mental illness is to sprinkle pills on the mentally ill, kick them out in the streets in the name of civil liberties. Yay, you have your civil liberties. Now, if you have a heart problem and you run out of your medication, what are you going to do? You're going to go to Blue Cross, Kaiser, Obamacare, and get a refill, right? Many of these folks don't have the wherewithal to do that. So when they run out of their pills and have no support, what do they end up doing? Who's there to medicate them, right? The crips in the bloods. There are about 700 of them running around Skid Row pretending to be homeless, living in the S.R. Rose, living in Skid Row housing trucks. You hearing voices, boss? Here's some crack. Being mentally ill is not a crime. Every police officer in this station, contrary to what you re- read in the paper, knows that being mentally ill is not a crime. We know that. But when somebody struggling with mental illness gets a hold of crack cocaine, methamphetamines, and other hard narcotics, then they become a police problem when they harm other people, harm themselves, or even try to harm us.
0: He spoke of some of his more heart-wrenching stories.
1: (laughs) I'm not the hero in this story. He is, because I'm eating a bacon-wrapped hot dog. (laughs) (laughs) And it, was del- it, was it was delicious until I found out that people don't wash their hands when they make it. Yeah. Boy, that was your good. good. <laughs> so as I'm walking down the street, my partner, who's about six foot four, former middle linebacker, super athletic, sees a woman who looked just like you. Didn't look like she even lived in the area. She's standing on the corner. She sees an MTA bus and she jumps right in front of it. My partner, out of the corner of his eye, leaps out, snatches her from the bus. The side view mirror of the bus nicked her nose. LAPD saved her life. Ma'am, what are you crazy? Turn around, put your hands around your back, let's hook you up, let's get you to the station, get you evaluated, and get you to USC. She was supposed to be in the hospital for how many days? 72 hours. It was as if they waited for us to drive out of the parking lot, mm-hmm. waited for the meds to take effect. Good mm-hmm. <whistles> going. Let it go. Boop. Two hours later, we received a radio call to respond to Cesar Chavez in Broadway. It was a bus versus pedestrian. Get up there. He said, Dang, partner, it must be a theme today. No, it wasn't a theme. She successfully stepped in front of an MTA bus oh, no. and was turned into a pizza. Oh. Oh. Who failed that lady? The LAPD or the no. system? The system. The system. The system failed that late. What happened is I went home and cried my eyes out. <laughs> That's what happened because I thought I was a hero that day. A friend of mine named Margaret. I love Margaret. Margaret was special, but when she took her pills, you couldn't tell she was mentally ill. She would come up to me, talk to me about her life, beautiful story. And then when she's gone crazy, I'd have to walk away from her because <laughs> I didn't know where she was gonna, if she was going to jump on me or not. One day... We get a radio call to respond to the Hayward Hotel, 206 West uh, 6th Street. We get to the fourth floor. Two women have been stabbed with a pair of uh, scissors. (laughs) The one that could talk, I said, ma'am, who did this to you? She says, that motherfucker right there. I look down the hall, and I see my friend Margaret. This is my friend, sitting, sweating, in a state of mania, empty bottle of pills in one hand, Bloody scissors in the other, and a crack pipe between her legs, bragging about how she killed two crack, two people, two alligators who broke into her best friend's room, not knowing they were her friends. Did I tell you Margaret was my friend? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I sent my friend to prison. I loved her, and I sent her to prison for eight years. Yeah, she's receiving mental, mental treatment in a prison with other sociopaths. How the hell is that helping her? In my mind, it was morally wrong for me to do that. I understand from a legal and public safety standpoint what I had to do, but it was morally wrong I did that.
0: And with that, it was time to head outside. Almost immediately, we were met with sirens responding to a man down in the street. Another person had an accident on a bicycle just ahead of us.
1: This is the Union Rescue Mission. Uh, This is one of the only missions that house women and children. If this was the daytime, you would see me do something that looks cruel. You would see me tell people to get off of the wall and stand to their feet. It looks cruel, but based on everything I told you, now you know why I do it. It's not because I hate them or trying to make their lives miserable I just feel like if they're sitting on the sidewalk it leaves them vulnerable to being victims of crime or even overdosing on drugs the goal in my opinion with our officers is to save their life even if it's not sexy so you guys are, now this is the only mission that houses women and children I used to think the missions were a scam I promise you I thought they were a joke I used to think that like my detractors thought just a homeless farm exploiting homelessness getting funding, Nobody's getting helped. until I went into the mission and I saw people, hundreds of people who I arrested who were clean and sober. The programs do work, but the people here don't last long because what happens outside these walls and sometimes inside the walls. So it's my mission and our officer's mission to try to create an environment where these wonderful programs can actually help people and keep them sober for a long period of time, not for a few days, okay?
0: Dion appealed for our help to deal with the ongoing question of decentralization.
1: That's why I need your voices to discuss decentralization. By that I mean, I don't wanna see one program in Skid Row closed, they're needed. I just don't wanna see another one open in Skid Row. We have 88 cities in LA County, and until they soften their hearts, and build low income supportive services for the homeless and even shelters, and bring back a more humane version of the asylums, where it's more like living quarters that reintegrates them into society instead of letting them walk onto the streets and get hurt and beat up every day. This will not change. This will not change, all right?
0: Coming up, our commentary segment, The Big Question. At This Is The City, we strive to provide the story of downtown Los Angeles for all of our listeners, but we can't do it without you. If you enjoy our work, please consider donating on our website. It's easy to do via PayPal, and it helps us cover the costs of producing the show. You can also help others discover the show by sharing us on social media or leaving us a review in iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. We've talked a lot about the issues surrounding homelessness, mental health, and Skid Row on this show, and many of our guests have used the word crisis in describing the situation. So the question is, is it time yet? Is it time for this to be on the forefront of our elected officials every day? Is it time that we stop chasing our tails and start asking the tough questions to find a solution? Is it acceptable for us to allow people to wither away on the street? The life on the street itself is hard on the body, hard on the mind. It's maddening. As we address the issue, we need to look at those people and remember that oft-used phrase, but for the grace of God go I. We owe ourselves more, we owe the next generation more, than to let people continue to suffer in the darkest alleys of our city. Now is the time. Thank you for joining us for our first season. We'll be taking a short break from this show and we'll be back next month. In the meantime, you can check out our other show, Eat Drink Podcast, on our website, thisisthecity.net. Join us next time on This is the City for more of the politics, art, and culture that make Los Angeles. This is the City is written and produced by me, Garen Kelsaw, and my partner, Jonas Sosnowski. Our theme music is by Taj Simmons. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher, and we're on Twitter at This is the City LA, or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash This is the City. Send us a message or leave a comment. Let us know what you think and what you want to hear on upcoming episodes. And until next time... Be well.